Hello, welcome to podcast 23 of Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Um, yesterday we had a bit of a disaster with uh, losing, possibly losing podcast 22. Um, we may recover it in some form, but it's mainly gone. Today, um, the first couple of minutes of the podcast haven't recorded, uh, which are pretty much me saying that yesterday's podcast didn't happen. Um, so... Uh, Chris Cooper at the stand, I slagged him off in the first minute, coincidentally. It's almost like he deliberately cut that bit off to stop people hearing it, but he didn't think about me then being able to come home and record my own introduction. Um, it wasn't really his fault, there's just something went wrong with the recording yesterday, So, um, but it's his fault that he's missed the beginning of this one. So basically, I just sort of, I'm just start off by, by uh, apologising that we did, the podcast didn't happen yesterday, uh, so I'll just say that now, and... Uh, then you will pick up and uh, start hearing the podcast, which uh, hopefully will be fine all the way through today. So uh, thank you for listening to these. I hope you've been enjoying them. Uh, there's not many left now. Uh, hopefully we won't have any more technical issues with the rest. Selves from the audience, which would seem a daft thing to do, given that it goes out properly recorded for free within hours. But when this happened last year with the Collins and Herring podcast, three weeks later, someone said, actually, I did uh, bootleg the recording. <laughs> so we, we were able to put out a version of it recorded from quite a long way away with the man laughing over the top of uh, <laughs> some of it. So uh, why he would want that? <laughs> why he would, I, I can only imagine it was for masturbatory purposes, but I hope he is sexually aroused by listening to us in the distance with himself laughing over the top. That's what I imagine. But I hope he was in yesterday uh, doing it again uh, so that we can have a copy of it. But uh, it means we missed, uh, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. And actually, we got t- it's a bit different today. We've got two guests I'm going to talk to rather than having a stand-up guest, partly because Phil Nickel, who was amazing on yesterday's show, um, started talking about this. The, my first guest, Rumpel, and, um, who's a street performer, and I'd never heard of him, and I didn't believe he existed, so we decided to book him. Uh, I thought that Phil Nickel had made him up, and I quite I expected today for Phil Nickel to turn up in a kind of jester's hat and a <laughs> wig, because the things he was saying were kind of unbelievable. He was talking about, uh, and I don't want to sort of give away too much in case Rumpel ends up talking about this, but he was, uh, he was cast as the fool in, fo- and the, in the love show, the fool on the hill in the, in the Beatles love show, you know, they did. Uh, and then was sacked for being too foolish. Uh, so <laughs> that's going to be an interesting thing to talk about. And he had a false nose with a bell on it, and uh, someone he had got into a fight with someone was kind of avoiding these guys punching, and the guy punched him in the nose and knocked his nose off. And without missing a beat, he got up and whisked another nose around from the back of his head and put it on. So uh, he sounds like a very interesting man. I've met him backstage. It could be uh, an entertaining uh, uh, <laughs> conversation. Uh, he's a very sweet man. Uh, and also, yesterday's show was, again, sponsored. And I do have to mention this again, otherwise they won't get their sponsorship. You can't win the voucher. That was won yesterday. Someone got a £40 voucher offered of jewellery from jennadelaney.com, which is... Uh, G-E-N-N-A-D-E-L-A-N-E-Y. It's a Dundee-based jewellery shop. Uh, fans, fans of uh, the podcasts there. So I think it's nice to kind of help out. This could be a little community. People who like my sweary podcast can get together. And if you want to get some of it, not only that, everyone who listens to this podcast can get uh, 10% off if they go there before the December the 31st, 2011, and put Cumpkin in the uh, coupon code... <laughs> C-U-M-P-K-I-N. So look out for that. We'll put a link uh, up on the uh, on the website as well. But uh, she very kindly gave us a £40 voucher which went yesterday, but we'll never be heard by anyone because of the Chris Cooper being a fucking idiot. He's, he's, uh, and I better be careful because I think pretty. I think he deliberately fucked up yesterday because I've probably been rude to him on the day, and so this one might get fucked up as well. You never know. With are you, you, are, so- you are aware that I have a microphone <laughs> over here, aren't you? <laughs> And yes, I am terribly, terribly sorry. Uh, yeah, with, with feeling. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so it was a very exciting. Well, you know, it's a shame, but then that's it. It's going to be the legendary uh, Lost Podcast 22. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe people will talk of it. And it wasn't that good, really. So it's lucky that it's... Uh, I was a bit tired, so it's lucky it's gone. I had a very uh, full-on day yesterday as well. I did five gigs yesterday. including I did my, my own show, this show. I did, I'd forgotten. I was doing... I would mention it on here. I was doing a radio show for BBC Scotland. Uh, with the actor, uh, with the writer Chris Brookmeyer, who uh, is that his name? Yeah, uh, who um, uh, who was interviewing me for an hour just before my show, and then I had to rush from that to do my show, and then I had to rush from my show to do Arthur Smith's pissed up chat show, in which guests are meant to be drunk. Uh, so I had to get drunk within the 15 minutes between my show ending <laughs> and being on his show, which was a very weird thing. So I drank like three glasses of wine and, th- and a few double vodkas. 
uh, in 15 minutes. I can't remember the last time I've done that. Uh, and I got, I got 26 on the breathalyzer, which apparently w- uh, is it's high, but it's not beyond the legal limit for driving, which <laughs> I can't... I don't know if that's a Scottish thing or whether that is still... But I, can't, I, can't, I had to sit down on a wall for 15 minutes after the show. <laughs> so kind of thinking, oh, my God. And then I had to do another gig uh, after that when I was pissed. So it was... Uh, Ooh, it's quite a full-on day, so if, I, I'm amazed I'm feeling as good as I am. Uh, and um, let's see. Well, yes, that's that. I'm just checking. I've got everything. Oh, the, um, the awards. Has, has anyone noticed the awards been announced yet, Chris? Yeah, who's won? Wow, a man, a man knows it's been... Uh, well, we'll maybe find... We'll, uh, Adam Rich has won. And who won the best newcomer? Humphrey Kerr. Humphrey Kerr, that's nice. Who is the, uh, the spirit of the fringe? Was it me? No, it wasn't me. Why not? Was it the king of the... Fr- the wrestling? Fuck that. <laughs> Some blokes wrestling. That's not... There's 20 fucking fringes I've done. When's my... Where's my spirit of the fringe? What's more spirit of the fringe than doing fucking five shows in a... You fucking stupid Foster's cunts. Um, <laughs> I better be the fucking spirit of the fringe next year. There's going to be trouble. Fuckers. I'm not going to drink Foster's all year now. <laughs> I'm just going to drink Perrier instead. That was show. <laughs> so, um, fuckers. Uh, oh, that's very exciting. I don't, I've never seen Adam Riches. Anyone seen Adam Riches? God, yeah. One person. <laughs> was he amazing? Yeah. I've heard him fantastic things about it. Oh, that's brilliant. So I'm very. Well, that's good. I look forward to seeing him. Uh, Sinead, you can win uh, some. Uh, uh, as it occurs to me, the complete pumpkin. I think I've given away in these shows more of these than we've sold. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. Out there. It's really good to get a poster. There's loads of extra stuff on there. Uh, there is uh, £20 in crumpled Scottish money. <laughs> Tickets to see... <laughs> that I got out of my pocket. Tickets to see uh, Steve Gribbin, who was on the show the other day, and Roe Campbell, uh, and a completed Cafe Nero card that I completed today. That's, a, yeah, that's the most exciting... That's the most exciting... My audience are idiots. Uh, and other, <laughs> other people... <laughs> You know, twenty pounds is what you can get ten coffees for that. That's like a cafe Nero card, but you can use it for other stuff as well. It's like a cafe Nero can go anywhere. You can go to Starbucks and get a coffee with that if you wanted. Um, so <laughs> you idiot. Uh, and there will be uh, spot prizes as well. What was I going to say? There was something else exciting. Oh, and I felt I just want to say I felt if you go, can you go and see Marcus Birdman, who was the st- who did the stand-up slot in yesterday's show? And I feel the b- worst for him. He did a brilliant stand-up slot, uh, and then it's never going to be heard by anyone. And kind of came in to do it because you know to help him out with his show. And he's a re- he did a really brilliant slot and he can't come tomorrow i was going to try and get him in tomorrow but he can't do it so if you get a chance uh, do check out marcus uh because it's a, that's the biggest tragedy is for him that he came down and didn't get his five minutes heard oh, i can see everyone's very sad for him uh, yeah they don't patronize marcus Birdman. he doesn't need doesn't need that so look we've got uh, two fantastic guests today and so uh, we're gonna it's gonna have to whisk through them uh, there's no stand-up swap today and there will be a competition at the end so uh let's get on uh, to, to prove uh, to the people who were here yesterday, uh, that the conversations we had were true. Will you please welcome my first guest? Uh, I want to give him his full title, though he told me he just made this up for a laugh on the internet. It's Rumple, uh, the worldly kangaroo fool of Oz. Will you please welcome? Here he comes, hopefully, if he's ready. There we go. Yeah, no, maybe not. Are you there? Rumple. He's not coming out. He's not coming. Yay! He was having a shit. Here he is. He's here. He is. I went out the wrong door. <laughs> <laughs> he went out the wrong door, ladies and gentlemen. So that, that, I think this could be a fun twenty minutes. We'll find <laughs> out. Uh, okay, it could be. Phil. Uh, Phil has just set me up uh, with an actor. He gave me the number and everything. You could be. You could be anyone. I was kind of half expecting Stuart Lee to come out here in a clown. clown. <laughs> So tell us about what you've been doing street theatre for for a long time. How long? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I sort of do it. I mean, between genres, really. Uh, I just do all sorts. But uh, yeah, I just did a forty-eight hour show in Germany, and uh, crikey! <laughs> 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 uh, I saw <laughs> saw a clip of you online where you were uh, you made a skipping rope and set it on fire. It looked like it was made of the microphone lead. I don't know if that's the case. And then you were on a <laughs> unicycle and uh, sort of did sk- and managed to skip with fire. Is that the kind of did you do that for forty eight hours or are there other stuff as well? Oh, I forgot to do it this show in oh. uh, Germany. Did you? You forgot. <laughs> so you have you got forty eight hours and twenty minutes of material, really? Yeah, but it was a, it was such a shame that I forgot my David Hasselhoff mask. That would have been. Uh, 
Very fun. <laughs> <laughs> they love him out there, don't they? I, I did a show about David Hasselhoff because David Hasselhoff brought down the Berlin law, Wall, essentially. Not he didn't knock it down personally, but his song "Looking for Freedom," looking for freedom. That's how it goes. That brought down the Berlin Wall, and I went. This is true. Uh, when he was, I know everything seems a bit surreal all of a sudden today. <laughs> the audience here, but uh, it's, that's right, isn't it? David Hasselhoff sang when it came down. He sang a song and was nearly hit by a firework and killed. I would imagine that. Uh, so, uh, so, <laughs> what, so Phil was telling me all kinds of stories about you getting, you know, you're doing street theatre. Do you remember this occasion when you, when you nearly, when you got punched in the nose and had, and had another nose? Oh gosh, so many things happen. I've got like 380 noses. <laughs> uh, yeah, I collect them. You collect the noses, but you always have them ready to on the back of your head to whisk around. You always have a spare. Yeah, I've no. got, a, I've got a great big nose too that. Uh, yeah, it takes up my whole face. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's not for people at home. That's not there now. That he has a he has a fairly normal, fairly normal nose and uh, a nice leopard skin hat. It's very nice. And, uh, and then uh, you have a bit chilly today, or is that? Is oh yeah, no. I just went to bed at seven in the morning. Oh, right. Crikey, it's just <laughs> yeah. So what what happened with the <laughs> the Beatles love show? Phil, uh, he set completely set me up. Uh, Phil, <laughs> how it happened with the <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you must get him on as a guest. What what uh, what happened with that? You were casting the because you are you're a clown basically. You are, is it in the is it in the tradition of the holy fools of uh, ancient Russia and stuff like this, where people uh, someone would be a borderline kind of crazy person who would do uh, who would do mad stuff is that the yeah yeah you could pretty much say that like you know laughter comes from way back yeah I mean you know <laughs> I mean yeah I mean like 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 jesters in a way were like the Lenny Bruce's of the medieval times the license to speak our minds and we're just carrying it through and uh paving the way for stand-up as we know today in a kind of way <laughs> so <laughs> how, d how did you come about that you got into the the love show the Beatles love show in in Las Vegas right you, yeah you yeah I, yeah I did over eight hundred shows and funny enough I passed the two day audition in Australia and Melbourne on April Fool's Day right and yeah. so you had to be the fool on the hill so what did that involve oh yeah just being uh, yeah a bit of a fool but uh, unfortunately my number got cut which was a bit disheartening after three and a half months rehearsal but right. I have no control <laughs> and why did it get did you get Phil said you were sacked for being too foolish is that the case because uh, I would have thought that would be in the job description they, the tried to on the hill. they tried to give me the flick on April Fool's Day but I said that I actually had made an appointment to get my last two wisdom teeth taken out, taken out on the day so I thought I may as well make Use of the health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Before it was too late. Yeah. Got your teeth completely done up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, taken out. <laughs> All right, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? <laughs> 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 How long have you been doing uh, the, you being a jester and a street performer oh, for? for quite a while. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've now performed in 43 countries, travelled to 65. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I still haven't even began to wet my toes. What happened with the other twenty-two countries where they didn't, they didn't, they didn't want you? Well, well, one day I'll just probably get ricocheted all around the world and live in airport lounges. They probably won't even let me back into Australia. I got kicked out of England twice for the suspicion of coming in as an under-the-table jester. I'm on a hat trick, but uh, <laughs> the this time I made sure I got a. Coming in as an under-the-table jester is that is that one of the <laughs> is that one of the laws? Excuse me, are you a jester of some kind? Because if you are, we don't want your type in here coming lampooning our royalty. Um, and uh, there's a brilliant story about you going to Iraq. Is this right? Was it Iraq? Ah, uh, Co by Co a Kosovo. Kosovo. Oh, and I've been the United Arab Emirates and Syria, Lebanon, Jordan. Uh, all over. But you travelled. You travelled by camel across the desert. Yeah, that was in uh, United Arab Emirates. And the war had broken out. And, and that was in Kosovo. And you didn't know about. It. <laughs> <laughs> and you arrived in a camel. And you, you arrived on a camel, and everyone treated like a king when you arrived. Yeah, right? royalty. I imagine the the royalties the queen must get for every postage stamp sold with a face on it should be raking it in. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I got. I, 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 I did a 24-hour show in uh, Holland in 2001 and then I came straight to the Edinburgh Festival but then I got kicked out later that year so it kept me out of uh, the UK for many years. <laughs> 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 but I, I made sure I got a work permit this time and I got that's invited the to the Festival of Fools and I thought, wow, that's a great way to arrive into the UK in Belfast. 
outside Belfast City Airport, there was a billboard with a, a, a big fool, and I thought, crikey, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm asking all of my guests this question. <laughs> and I don't think anyone is going to provide a better answer than you will have to listen. If you don't know who I'm talking about, just go with the flow. And I apologise for this. I'm asking it to everyone. Yeah. What would it take for you to fillet the actor Keith Allen? What would you want? What would you want in return? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a truthful answer. I don't know. <laughs> well, look, it's been. Um <laughs> no, I've got to do a bit longer. Uh, I've got to do it. I've got to do a bit longer. I was going to wrap it up, but. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> What's what have all the time? How many times have you done Edinburgh? How many times have you been up oh, in Edinburgh? Oh, I think three times now. It's been ten years. Yeah, that's right. Ten years and it was ten years since I did my twenty-four hour show. I thought I thought it was time to double it, but uh, yeah, it took me six and a half hours to pack up. So, uh, so have you done a forty-eight hour show in Edinburgh? That was in. Or was oh no, that, that was in Germany. Yeah, just Germany. from I just came from Germany, and uh, so I'd, I'd do a seventy-two hour show here one year if the conditions were favourable. I'm up for it. <laughs> No it's worries. It's got to be outside, right? So it has to uh, be not raining. Is that what you said? Oh, or even indoors. Yeah. But yeah, why not? Have yeah, a go. Why not? Have a go. Keep going. So do you have any? When you have it, when you do a forty-eight-hour show, are you allowed to go to the toilet, or do you have to just keep going through those? Through. Oh yeah. Well, I just kept going and going and going, and uh, yeah, I had a radio microphone. I just kept the show going while I was having a dump. <laughs> 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 Are yeah. you real or are you uh. <laughs> are you from I am the master Nic Phil Nichols <laughs> imagination I am the supreme master of reality right <laughs> 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 oh dear uh, <laughs> I'm really glad that I didn't um put you for the whole show I have to say <laughs> but <laughs> But I'm enjoying it very much. It's a lot of, are you having fun here? Oh, absolutely. If people want to see you in Edinburgh, is there somewhere they can go see you? Oh, yeah, I've been doing like, uh, I've done the small mess twice. I did it on Saturday night last week and I uh, coincidentally got the last spot and no one knew who I was. Got a full house. That was a fluke. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just doing the big mess in the Bosco, just random five minute spot, you know. Yeah. I never know what's coming next. Anything goes. It can go either way, good or bad, but that's a, a hit or a miss. That's what it's like being a fool. Yeah, that's what it's like doing a podcast as well. I tell you, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, you never know what. <laughs> but I do, I love those stories of those, uh, that, you know, because I'm in big into kind of Russian history and all that stuff. So there really were these guys who could, you know, they were allowed to say whatever they want. So have you ever met anyone famous and said awful things to them? Have you done that kind of thing? Have you ever met some royalty or some politician or anything? Oh, I've met all sorts. I met uh, Chewbacca from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I met Buzz Aldrin, the man that went to the moon. Yeah. He's real though, right? He did, yeah. he's real. <laughs> did he go to the moon though? That's the question. Maybe he did. I met Hulk Hogan. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, who else? When you uh, met Chewbacca, was it the man who played <laughs> Chewbacca, or was it Chewbacca? It was the real deal. Like <laughs> he lives in Dallas now. Right, does he? <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> but. I want to meet. My life will never be complete if I don't meet the munchkin that handed the lollipop to Judy Garland <laughs> in Wizard of Oz. I know a lady that knows him. There's only, there's only four munchkins left. They have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. If only I'd known, I would have invited him to be on as well today. And then he could have... The lollipop guild one, was it? Are we are the lollipop guild. We are the, <laughs> the lollipop guild. You should replay that clip over and over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we might do to fill up the rest of the time. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk to me about? I guess I, I'd like to see where you go next. Oh, well just, yeah, I mean, I could go on forever. Yeah, no? well, you could do 72 hours. Is it mainly, is it mainly kind of performance or are you, do, are you doing jokes and stuff as well in the 72 hours? Is it, what is it? Is just it whatever. I mean, I've got so much stuff. Like, I mean, boxes, bags, trolleys, more bags, boxes and toys and... And it's just like avalanched in junk. So uh, I have no room to actually do anything. I'm just uh, 
I, sh- I may as well meditate with a chock-a-block in a room full of bric-a-brac for the rest of my life and get some focus. <laughs> but I would like to whittle it all down and just uh, rock up and be ready as I am, but that would be less physically exhausting. Because <laughs> carrying around all that tat does get tiring and harder get harder to get into the UK. Yeah, it must be difficult travelling <laughs> around. Like, yeah, I'm, the, I mean, the going to Australia and I tried to take a box of programs with me and it was going to cost about £500. So you must oh. have a lot of excess baggage when oh, you... Oh, well, you the customs always have a field day going through my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> squeaky lobsters and all sorts. <laughs> Have, yeah. they, have they ever cut open your squeaky lobsters to find out if there's anything inside? Because oh, I one. suspect there might be. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I was in Cairo one year in the silhouette, silhouette of my rubber snakes. I juggle three rubber snakes sometimes. Yeah. But they started playing with them and I missed my flight and I got stuck in Cairo for four extra days. But it was all right because I saw the Great Pyramid in Giza on a full moon. So that was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Was Chewbacca with you at the time? Uh, he should have been. I, I, <laughs> I mean, didn't he do the voiceovers for Camels? I mean, no, Camels did the voiceover for Chewbacca. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I just can't wait to see how Matt Kirshen's going to follow this. I have to say, that's that's what he's he's actually shitting himself. Thinking, how am I going to how am I going to beat this? I've, I've brought you on in the wrong order. I have to say. I really have to say, look, uh, I think uh, it's been lovely talking to you, and yeah, I wish yeah. I wish I could talk to you for the full yeah. hour, but yeah. I've got to, I've got Matt Kirshen <laughs> coming on as well, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have to say goodbye to you, Rumble. But please give it up for Rumple, the kangaroo king god of fool. Thank you very much, Rumple. Really brilliant. Thank you so much for coming in. You can see him wherever he is. You have to find him. That's what I like. No, no, wherever he ends up being. That's where he'll be. Thanks to Phil Nickel for that. You know, it's a shame. It's a shame. Um, you won't, you're never going to hear the previous podcast. It's amazing all the stuff Phil was. T- I might just try and recreate yesterday's podcast in my room on my own with a puppet or something and see if I can remember what he said. But it's, it's unlikely. Well, uh, let's move on and uh, sanity will be restored, <laughs> possibly. Will you please welcome my other guest? It's Matt Kirshen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hello. Whoa, you don't get that on Parkinson, do you? <laughs> you don't get that on the Graham Norton show. <laughs> well, let's all hope the recording of this one came out. So <laughs> <laughs> I think people so might listen to it and think it's still speeded up. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna, there's something very weird going on. Well, the thing is, if, if the record, like, at least if it has come out, we can listen back to the recording and check that we aren't still dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> just, this is quite early for an Edinburgh show. I was still looking at it going, I'm not sure. I could still be in bed right now. I could, I could wake up to a... 20 angry missed phone calls from you. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the, the, really, this podcast does feel... I'm, I'm amazed I've got through it. I've nearly got through it. I've yeah. got two more after today. That and was I fascinating. It, it was amazing, wasn't but it? Well, that that's, w- what, that's what Edinburgh's about, is about these kind of Im- you know amazing characters. Look, it took I was a while to find the gold. <laughs> it's what? <laughs> it took you a while to find the gold. At first, <laughs> it, it kind of... Kinda, you, know, you know like when there's a royal wedding and it cuts to the outside broadcaster <laughs> and they've just got to talk to the public for 10 minutes <laughs> and make it entertaining? <laughs> just... Well, let's see how we do with you, Matt Kirshen, before we... Well, I've let's got see how funny you're going to be before... You I've got be nothing that can beat Chewbacca. I've got nothing. Who's the most famous person you've met? Is it Chewbacca? Because if it isn't, <laughs> you're fucked. Chewbacca. Have you met any royalty? Chewbacca. Come on, that is the, be- that is the greatest <laughs> moment of the Edinburgh Fringe podcast. <laughs> Without doubt. <laughs> Like who would? Ne- like, you're you're a writer. I I write as well. Like never would you even think of going there. That that's so far from the route one suggestion, isn't it? That's, that's like five logical leaps and then some. So uh, how's your Edinburgh going, Matt? It's been fun. All the better for that. That's great. It's been it's been really fun. I'm really, I'm, I'm knackered. I don't think I've ever been so knackered. But you're yeah, doing two shows basically. Is it two or I'm more? doing two. Well, yeah, I'm doing two shows. I'm doing my hour and then I'm doing set list every night. Setlist is the show that I talked about and uh, that Paul Provenza was on the other day with and yeah. I, did, I did it a, uh, a few days ago. It's, it is an astonishing show where you have to make up, uh, you're on, on stage you have to make up a set based on the suggestions from a list that you see. Yeah, seconds. so we just give them a list of random suggestions like sort of things like condom limbo or the satchel story and they have, <laughs> they have to pretend those are the genu- genuine topics from their stand-up and then just go. Yeah, it's, and it's astonishing and everyone, all the comedians are kind of loving it. 
And yeah, because like people wanted to come back. Because everyone's again. really nervous beforehand. It's so rare to be properly nervous before a gig, which isn't hasn't like most gigs. I'll just go on and a nah, little bit of tension, but you just basically do it because I've been doing it for years, and you've got a backlog of material, and you've kind of got those safety nets. And we kind of take that away, and everyone's like, shit, it could go horribly <laughs> wrong. But like, really experienced comics are going on, going, I could die on my ass in front of a room full of people. And so, and, and it's being filmed as well. Are they yes. all filmed, or is that just. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's, a, that's not filmed for any kind of general release. That's just sort of that they can ship it around to telly people, and yeah. so it can get put on TV and ruined. <laughs> and I wonder if it would, you know, I do think it would make a great TV show because it is like kind of who line, whose line it is anyway with a kind of twist and, and yeah. you know, more of a twist in a way. But I wonder whether it's, uh, you know, really a live experience because you can you can sort of feel the fear of the comedian, I think, as you're on there and the audience are kind of complicit in it. I think, well, I, I wonder think if watching it from home, you would just think, oh, this isn't real. Well, I think what we've realised, I, th I think if we do put it on TV, we need to leave some of the failure in. Yes, definitely. Oh, we need to sure, leave sure. some of the fuck-ups because when you see some like whose lines it anyway, they record three hours and they get a half-hour show, and everything's gold, and everything works. And, and, and if you're a telly viewer, that's, all right, cool, funny, funny, funny. But it's not interesting, because you kind of know it's always going to work, because they, it has to. So it's quite nice to see it fuck up a little bit. Well, that's what, but I think that's why I really think that with podcasts, that's why with podcasts, it was mainly because I was lazy... Yeah, uh, and and untechnical. I decided I would never edit anything we did. So if you haven't a really just awkward, terrible hour, uh, you just have to put it out. And then and so that means then if the next one's good, you're gonna go, oh wow, that was that proves it's real. But I think when you're doing those panel shows and you record for three hours, when they take out all the bits in between, you know, the uh, the, the the bits that didn't work, the, they they're part of the reason why the bits that did work worked. You know, and often often there'll be some little detail that leads into the the big joke working. So when you take out all the lead up to it and all the awkwardness, like the, you hear this now? Uh, yeah. In a minute. In a minute. In so a minute, we're going to get... going to get cut or anything. No, that's, that's gonna not going to That's going to stay in. And then, you know, I know eventually I'll get a massive laugh by... Because I'm a, you know, like a comedy genius and that. <laughs> and so I'm the sp I won the Spirit of the Fringe Award. Um, oh, congrats. It was the one I gave out on the first day, but that's, I gave it myself. And I'm the King of Edinburgh as well. I don't... I, oh, I well gave done, that out. Well yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I'm, I'm actually. Um, I was. At, I. I was gonna be, but I was boycotting you. <laughs> Fair enough. Ahmed Jalili said that because he was giving out the prizes. He said that he would. Uh, I don't know if he did it. He said he was going to announce that he, I, I'd won a clock or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going with the artist of the millennium, but I bet he wimped. I bet he wimped. You know, remember when Michael Jackson, when Britney Spears was on stage and said, "My artist of the millennium is Michael Jackson." She was just sort of chatting before she was leading up to some award, and Michael Jackson came on stage <laughs> thinking he'd won an award and did a massive speech, and I think took the trophy away, whatever it was. Go, oh, this is so. So I kind of thought, if I hadn't been doing this, I would have loved to have just gone along. Just it would be great. The wouldn't it be great just to with the person, make them go. <laughs> and just come on and go, yeah, there's a £5,000 prize apparently attached to this, and <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, but anyway, yeah, if you, if you, if you, you, you did uh, this, the big show in America, the uh, last comic standing. I did do that, yes. So actually in America, you're probably more famous than you are in the UK. Would that be fair to say? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm better known as a stand-up in America, but I did, do, I did host a rubbish, panel, a rubbish clip show on E4 over here. <laughs> so if I go to the right place, like if I'm, if I'm somewhere where teenagers are gathered... I get recognised yeah. probably more here than I do in America, right. but not for anything I'm proud of. <laughs> <laughs> but you did pretty well in the last comment. Yeah, yeah, so it, it was a bit like this thing that we've just been on TV here, but good. Well, is that, is that fair? Is that fair to say? I, I think more it was about stand up. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, there was still a fair amount of bullshitting around before they actually got to the gig, which I think was the same complaint about the the one over here, where yeah. it's just like they just didn't show any of the gigs. There was just a lot of titting around in town centres. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, that's that's how comedy works, isn't it? You go, you go into a town centre, you you meet the public for a day and a half, and then you write specific jokes tailored to them, <laughs> which you perform for two and a half minutes before the credits roll, <laughs> and that's how comedy works. That is how comedy is. That's what we did here. We've been out with this audience, not working very well, Matt, so far. No, I know, no, I know. With the specific jokes. Look at him. Look how look how Matt, he sits there every day. Really? Is it is it Colin? Yeah, he sits there every day, looks grumpy. He's making sure he sits right at the front. Usually, he's just on his own in an island. No one will sit next to him. Today, <laughs> today he's been forced to have people sitting next to him. He'll just sit there. And then I offer him free tickets at the end. He goes, I don't want them. I've got my day planned out. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna try. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. You never, like, you never see him smile. Look at his miserable face. What you, is never, the <laughs> you never see his smile. Is, is your day planned out with shows, or is it just sort of kicking yeah. animals and stuff? <laughs> 
killing tramps. <laughs> Bumming and killing tramps. That's why I imagine it's in, in what order? I can't. Which it's a you, good question. Do you bum first, then I kill, or kill, then bum? I like to, you know, just improvise with it and yeah. see, see how I feel at the time. <laughs> in a way, it's nicer to kill them first, in some ways. Yeah, if it's kind But, you know, I've always said that, you know, if you're going to kill a child, you might as well rape it first. That's why yeah. you might as well. Well, you know, no, because at, at, least, at least they don't die a virgin. <laughs> and it... <laughs> might as well. Yeah. Well, you might as well rape it afterwards. Anyway, it doesn't make any difference, does it? So if you, but don't kill children. But if you're going to, might as if well you already it. have, you it might as well. You've already got for me. Once you've killed a child, I mean, once you've had sex with a child, then you've cro you've crossed a line, right? That I think you can't get back from. Might as well kill it. That's why. That's what I'd say. You might as well. It's not like they're going to go. Oh, yeah, it's all right. We'll let you off. You've, if you, you're going to go to prison for life anyway. Might I go for the full thing? That is my advice to. Pedophile child killers. I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying if if you are gonna do it, yeah, make the most of it. And if you have done the killing, then a rape is why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just meat by that point. <laughs> let's get let's get the uh, the clown guy back <laughs> on again. <laughs> the audience seemed to prefer that to the uh, to this. Oh yeah, yes, they, they missed a great bit about me. I had, I had a great bit that I was, I was picking on some people with like a New York T-shirt, and they were and I said that I don't know how I got onto. I asked them if they went to the World Trade Center, and then I asked him if he masturbated onto the onto the site of the World Trade Center. I'll never be able to recreate it, but it was a brilliant. It was a brilliant routine about a man masturbating were onto you, the site. Are you claiming that was in some way defiant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I don't do this, Al Qaeda's won. <laughs> kind of it. I just think you might as well. You kind of you're tempted to do that, you know. Just the wrongness of it makes it. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Did anyone else? You know, if anyone's got it on tape, we'll uh, we'll hear it. So, what's your what's your own show? What's your stand-up show about? My my stand-up show is about embarrassment. It's themed around embarrassment and whether it's a good idea to be able to own your own embarrassment. Yeah. So it's stories about that, and then it drifts into politics because. You know, there's only so many embarrassing stories before I get interested in other things. Are you sure there are? But I would imagine you've embarrassed yourself a lot. I've embarrassed you? myself a lot. <laughs> I've I, I've been an awkward person for many many years. Uh, yeah, I've I've uh, oh, here's here's one thing I've done. I've yeah. uh, I you know the little you know the little poppy up toy that you get. It's like a rubber hemisphere. You turn it inside out and it pops up in the air. I once stuck one of those to my forehead, but like I really stuck it. I didn't realize how tight a vacuum it could make. It burst all the capillaries. <laughs> in my forehead, leaving me with a bright red ring in the middle of my face, <laughs> which remained for three school days. Uh, and I, I went into school, I tried to claim that I had tripped up and hit my head on a perfectly circular door handle. <laughs> <laughs> Literally no one believed me. <laughs> There's a lot of that in the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Today, when I was looking at myself in the mirror naked, um, just looking at my nipples, mm -hmm. Just struck me how weird that is. I know, I know that's a, th a thing. What that you were in the na um, mirror naked looking at your nipples? No, or? It just it's weird that men have nipples, isn't it? Isn't, I mean, that's a weird thing because it it's like that. So I was looking at them, just thinking that was th I, the reason you have them is because every uh, fetus is built to the same template, and it's yeah. only within about thirteen weeks that the sex is determined. So every and nipples have already happened by so then. So yeah. So when people ask why do men have nipples, that's the answer, right? So <laughs> why do men have? What's that about? That's the reason. But <laughs> it still is fucking weird to think that you know, I've got the they're there. They're only there to la for lactating. Well, also purposes. apparently it's they, odd that they can there. in some cases lactate. Hmm. You can uh, if you inject milk into your <laughs> chest. <laughs> <laughs> really squeeze them. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, I guess. Have you ever lactated? I've never lactated. It seems <laughs> you don't know an awful lot about it. But a while ago, <laughs> <laughs> you were sucking but a man's nipple, <laughs> and some milk came out. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see where the milk came from, <laughs> but I assumed. Was it brackish? It was Keith Allen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a. Uh, I was a. Uh, no, we were. I don't remember how, but we were researching this online, <laughs> and it turns out over time, a man can train himself to lactate with a certain amount of. According to this website, I've never tested it, but according to the website, it's a mixture of manipulation and willpower. <laughs> <laughs> Has any man in this room ever lactated? I think they wouldn't admit it if they did. <laughs> that would have been a good question for Rumpel. I, I have a feeling Rumpel may have may have lactated. Yeah. Oh, crikey, yeah. <laughs> crikey. And you got you got in the top ten jokes of the Edinburgh Fringe. I did with a joke that's not in my show. Is it not? <laughs> no, no, it never was. Uh, <laughs> but uh, why is that? Here's a little. Th whenever you see those lists of top jokes from the Fringe or whatever, uh, you meant to think the journalists have gone around and sat in every show and written down their favourite jokes. But what actually happens is the journalists email all the PR people for the various shows and go send in your jokes and we'll compile a list 
And my show this year doesn't have many one-liners. It's more kind of stories and built up bigger set pieces. So I just sent in a couple of tweets that I sent the week before. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them got in the top ten. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Good. Thank you, you want to give it to us? The, 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 the line was, so I was, I, was playing, I was playing chess with my friend. And he said, uh, let's make this interesting. So we stopped playing chess. So no, it's a perfectly top ten, fine but joke. Top, one of the top ten jokes. It's one of the top ten jokes you will ever hear. The top, the top joke, which Nick Helm, who I love, is a fantastic comedian, but his top joke, the top joke, is not all that brilliant. No, also, I, I'm, I'm I think it was misquoted because I'm sure there are extra words in there that made the joke not work. Right. Yeah. Like the joke, the joke should be something like, "I'm that I was asked for a passport with eight characters, so I gave them Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs." Yeah. But they, they printed, I asked. It's not a joke. It's good. But uh, they, they printed. I asked for a. I was asked for a password that was eight characters long. Right. Which <laughs> <laughs> just fucks it up then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was asked for a joke that contained eight, like, alphanumeric characters <laughs> on the keyboard typed in with my hands. <laughs> so I gave them Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which confused them. I liked it. There was a tweet. Junior Simpson on Facebook did a joke yesterday saying, if fat kids go to fat camp, do kids with uh, attention deficit order go to concentration camp, right? <laughs> which, um, which got a better than... It's a better joke, yeah. Better. But someone got upset about saying, you know, stop having a go at kids with ACHD, whatever. But yeah. I said, no, what really is offensive about that joke is that if fat kids go to fat camp, then kids with ACHD should go to lack of concentration camp. That is the logic of the joke. So the, the logic does not work in your joke. If yeah, fat no. kids went to thin camp, that would be a funny joke. But it is not a funny... Even though the audience laughed, they were wrong because the, lo the internal logic of that joke is actually you're absolutely incorrect. Right. The kids that should go to the concentration camps are the ones who are studious. Yes, that's right. <laughs> or, or Jews, in other words. <laughs> That'll never get in the Dave Top Ten list. <laughs> Well, I think it's quite unfair, if I'm right, about the Dave top ten list of jokes, is that they get 20 jokes and get yeah. the public to vote. They get the 20 best jokes, get the public to vote on them, and then they say the top ten votes are the ten best jokes in Edinburgh. And the bottom ten and are the, the worst. the bottom ten are the worst ten <laughs> jokes in Edinburgh. Whereas, in fact, what they've got is the list of what they consider to be the 20 best jokes in Edinburgh. But they make, the, they make Paul Daniels one came out as the worst one, but it had gone <laughs> forward. To, and it's like, yeah. the it isn't like the worst joke in Edinburgh, believe me, will probably have been in this show, where... <laughs> You, uh, someone has attempted to say something and it uh, and it hasn't worked. That is yeah. the worst joke in Edinburgh, but not uh, Paul Daniels. I can't remember what, what was it, it was. It was, it was something like there was definitely some in the bottom ten. That you thought that's funnier than stuff in the top yeah. ten. So it's because they were the twenty best jokes. Anyway, I'm asking all of my guests this, uh, Matt Kirshen, <laughs> as you may be aware. <laughs> well, so you've had a little bit of a prep time to think about this. What would it take for you to fillet the actor Keith Allen? Two and a half minutes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> pretty good then pretty confident of your ability I think so I think so yeah. <laughs> or just or fairly confident of, uh, of <laughs> Keith Allen's premature ejaculation <laughs> <laughs> I look at him and I think he's the kind of guy who'd be easy to make um, <laughs> just the excitement of having his cock in the face of a small boy looking man <laughs> will be <laughs> of a Jewish boy with a <laughs> no uh, anyway um, <laughs> and every day I'm doing an Edinburgh memory I'm working my way up through the years if you've got a favourite Edinburgh memory how many times have you been up to Edinburgh quite a few yeah, my first festival was 2000. Right, cool. So it was quite a few, yeah. Well, have a think about your favourite uh, fringe experience. And um, mine, I'm now up to 2008, I think. Or was it 2000? No, 2008. No, 2009. 2008. Hitler moustache. 2008. Uh, no, 2009. <laughs> 2009. Uh, and uh, Hitler moustache was... The, I did uh, this show where I grew a, a Hitler moustache for comedy purposes uh, to see what would happen to me. And... Um, I guess the big thing that happened that year was before Edinburgh when I was interviewed by the journalist Brian Logan who uh, was look doing a piece about offensiveness in comedy. So he said, you know, you're doing this show. And then, so I talked to him for like an hour on the phone, mm -hmm. being very careful to put everything in context. And because so, and it was The Guardian, I thought he will understand this. So I said, for example, I've got a routine that starts with the phrase, I've been thinking recently, maybe racists have a point. Uh, and, then, uh, and then that routine goes on to sort of, you know, take that idea undercut it and through undercut absurdity it, you know? so you sort of say the, basically the joke of the thing was that, that, uh, that people who are uh, racist are closer to seeing the everyone in the world is the same than liberals who see the world as people from 195 different countries whereas the racists see 
the world as four types of people. So they're you know they're 191 closer to seeing everyone in the world as exactly the same. Right. Whereas liberals, you know, liberals see us as all different. So there's a kind of joke in there about internal logic. Um, and I said I, I did, I, on the podcast with Andrew Collins, we discussed ending all war by me just deciding which side was the best. <laughs> uh, so we just thought we could just why don't we just arbitrary get someone who doesn't really know anything about anything just to come down on one side. So in India, Pakistan, I said. I'll India win because I hate Pakistanis, right? So that is, uh, that is so, so it was a, like a joke. And then the but, quote but from the that quote was, was taken. The quote was me, a picture of me with a Hitler moustache, <laughs> saying, in his new show, he argues that racists have a point and says, I hate Pakistanis, <laughs> which, is, which wasn't in the show. And so I kind of thought, I live in Shepherd's Bush in West London. It was still, it was still, it was still at home at the time. A multi-ethnic community where people know me. I'm walking around with a Hitler moustache. It's not like I can really go, no, that wasn't. No, that was a different guy with a Hitler moustache that they were talking about. And you know, I thought I could very easily get, and rightly, be punched in the face by this. So it was sort of, it was sort of this odd thing where he hadn't, and, and he felt, because in the end he kind of concluded that maybe all these people who were being offensive, A, he was picking on people like Brendan Burns, Scott Capura and me. So the idea of it being a new offensiveness was a bit because these guys have yeah, been you guys have been offensive for years 20 years of doing the same thing uh, and you know it was he didn't really catch you know he didn't give it any context but luckily because of twitter i was able to kind of respond very quickly and mm-hmm. there was a kind of and i was able to go in the paper and give my own point of view so it's actually an amazing start to the edinburgh fringe because before i'd even got up there everyone was talking about my show and there was loads and loads of publicity so it was kind of the talked about show thanks to brian logan but i think he nearly got sacked as a result really of this. i think i mean i think he, he had a really uncomfortable time where all comedians were going you idiot you know and well, also, no one was going to do an interview with him that entire year. No, he couldn't exactly. sort of be a journalist because everyone's <laughs> like, no, look what you did the last time. But he sort of tried to cover it. He tried to cover it up. You know, I said, you know, with a comedian, with doing comedy, you're taking risks and, and trying stuff out on stage sometimes. And he's go, that's what I was doing in my... In my, you go no. It doesn't work like it doesn't. It doesn't work that if you do a considered written article about something, you can claim yeah, I was just throwing stuff out there to see how it went you know, by libeling people. Uh, so just uh, chucking it out, and then the sub editors had a look at it, and then <laughs> so it was kind of a very odd start. But then, but then you know, and I did immediately. I did it. I had before I was able to respond. There were people going, oh, apparently Richard Herring's doing a racist show, and you know, <laughs> you kind of were aware of how that could have easily, without being able to that kind of quick response, that could have turned into a kind of shitstorm, basically. And luckily, I managed to mainly nip it in the bud. But it's kind of weird. Since then, he, gave, he pretty much had to give Hitler Moustache a really good review. <laughs> that year. It was sort of like he was forced to do it. So I got a four-star. And I knew he'd like the show when he saw it, because it was a kind of political show, and that's the kind of thing he's into. Right. But ever since then, he's given me the worst reviews he can do. <laughs> or doesn't come to see the show. So uh, I think he, I think he uh, resents me a little bit. But, uh, but also, the nice thing about that year, I was staying in a flat down... Um, quite nearby just down off Dundas Street that way I can't remember what it's called uh, and um, every time I w- there was a little black cat that was sat on the uh, on the pavement. had to be a black cat it didn't did. it it was yes <laughs> and racist I, pre- I preferred the black cat to the white cat that's oh that's the opposite of racism yeah, I, don't, right. I don't know where I stand on that <laughs> now <laughs> to hate white people is the opposite of racism <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to hate all of white um <laughs> And I just remember he was my little friend and I would talk to him every time I went past, give him a little stroke, he was my lucky cat. But he had a horrible scab on his head that year and I was... Was it the bit that you kept stroking? Yeah, it was was just there and I was reluctant to touch it this year and so I was worried that might be why I had bad luck. But I'm not that kind of totemistic person. What what is your favourite memory of Edinburgh? I don't know, I think... I think it was probably when I when I was too new to know any better. <laughs> my first my first festival year was two thousand. Like my my first year full stop was two thousand, but I wasn't a performer then. I was working in the box office at a venue. Right. Um. And then my f- which that was a great year because I was only there for I was only there for the last bit. Uh. I saw I got to see Arthur Smith's final late night tour of Edinburgh, oh, which, yeah. which resulted in him and Simon Munnery getting arrested. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. Would you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. where they just like it, it all kind of descended into chaos. Uh, but then in 2002, well, like me and three friends from university took a ve- took a shot. We were so fucking bad, like we were terrible. We got a single one star review from three weeks, and that, that <laughs> wow, was more than we deserved. But our venue was a, was a meeting room in the Apex Hotel on Grass Market. Um, I know, and I, I I only know it was a meeting room because it didn't have a sink. So it can't, it can't have been a bedroom. And also because um, six years later, I had a meeting there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... Because I, 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 you don't know, you don't care. Like, our flyers were just paper that I photocopied in my dad's office and 
cut into quarters. Our backstage in the venue, like our backstage, we had like a backstage bit in the venue, but it was a curtain that sectioned off a corner of the room that the, th- that the three of us who weren't on stage would have to hide behind. <laughs> but it didn't go all the way up to the ceiling. <laughs> so you had to kind of crouch. Like the three of us all the way through the show were crouching, then you emerged in the start of a mime coming upstairs. <laughs> and I, I love that. I kind of miss that. It's, it's a, in a way, it's a lot more fun, fun than when, like, you, you know, now I've got some people who do the flyering and. Yeah. It's more relaxing, and but fuck, it's fun when you just don't know, and you don't you, <laughs> when you're rubbish and you don't know any better, and you don't give a shit, and there's no stakes whatsoever. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's <laughs> it really true. is. It's, it's so it'll be so liberating to come to the festival with no expectation whatsoever, <laughs> and just going. If we get five people into the show, it'll be amazing. <laughs> Look, we got published. Someone wrote about us <laughs> in the most damning terms possible. <laughs> Could have been no star. I had a no star review this year. Did you? Made sure. Yeah, I think it was a some kind of uh, postmodernist joke, but I don't understand. It's got, I, I'm glad that I'm now at the stage I'm a like 44 year old comedian so I think like students coming up I, you know, I remember when I was 22 and I was very damning about all other comedians other than myself basically yeah. and so anyone from the previous generation like Ben Elton or you know pretty much anyone you'll kind of really lay into them and so I think that's just a natural progression isn't it to be as rude as you can to the Have you ever generation. done the set? Have you ever done the full one to five stars in a year? No well uh, this, see but this year I've only, if I get a one star review I've got naught to five well so done. if I can just get a one-star review, but it has, I don't see. I don't know. Is anyone reviewing today's show? <laughs> is anyone? This it won't count for this one. I've got three and four-star reviews for this show, but my uh, my other show is yeah. Two, I've got a two-star, but because the, now there's so many different things. A the five-star are mainly meaningless. You'll look at people's posters and they'll have five and four-star reviews all over the place. Six or seven years ago, if anyone put a five-star Broadway baby thing on their poster, everyone else would just go, oh, you fucking idiot. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's not a proper thing. Now everyone's kind of just cut to the extent. Every post has five and four star reviews on it, so what's the point in putting any up? Because well, every single one, can you can find someone in the internet? Well, that's because there's so many different publications yeah. now. Like, so many people have just gone. If I set up a reviewing thing, <laughs> I can see loads of shows for free. <laughs> so like, and some of the, like the one for review guys, I've got a soft spot for because yeah. I think like, this is basically just a married couple who are comedy fans who got themselves matching jackets and a website, <laughs> and uh, and then go around reviewing the shows, and they're wonderful. And they uh, like, uh, well, I think Sheila died a couple of years ago, but she Jeff's did, still yeah. going, and the rest of and they've got more people on the crew, and they're just really enthusiastic, and they love comedy, and I love them for it. But yeah, some of them, you just go, no, you're just a group of enthusiastic <laughs> students with a photocopier, <laughs> and you're just giving everyone five-star reviews. And it's, yeah, you're right, it completely devalues it. And I, I say that as someone with some of those on my poster <laughs> right now. Yeah, but now everyone, now you put everything, everything goes up, well, regardless of what it is, as long as it's a good review. Yeah, just because from a distance, you just see the poster, and you just see like lots of stars, and you just go, all right, cool. <laughs> but the stars also, I think, as if I was a journalist, I would be annoyed that that star system existed because you t- spend your time writing something and then all that happens is people look how many stars it is and then probably don't bother reading the review. Yes. You know, so it's kind of annoying to think you, you've worked, they're working at something as well and then it just demeans everyone to put the stars well, on this. We kind just of let people read the thing and decide. And if you did that, a lot of the three-star three, three star reviews read like five-star reviews. A lot of the four-star reviews read like two-star reviews. People have to make up well, We had something life. like that with, um, with Setlist, the, the show we were just talking about, the improvised show in the evening where we got like a glowing review from the Scotsman. But it was it, in it. It explained the nature of the show and how it's kind of you know it's it's up and down and it's shambolic and bits fail and then bits are amazing. But people just saw the number of stars and just went and we just got like a theatre crowd who expected the most polished, slick five star <laughs> right. show yeah. and sat cross armed and hate like that day the show was sold out and awful. <laughs> Funny you talking about Arthur Smith though as well because I was I did Arthur Smith's show last night his and um, his piss how was it? Well, it was kind of amazing to get, you know, I had to get drunk so fast. I had no, I said to them, leave me a glass of wine in my dressing room. So uh, of my, of my, my own show, because I literally had to run across the show. His show had started. Yeah. I got changed. I said, give me a glass of wine while I'm changing. I said, I can get started. And I got there and drank sort of two more wines and a few vodkas. And so it wasn't, you know, you are quite, you know, I don't, I can't remember somebody that. So I was pretty drunk. But it's kind of funny with Arthur because I've, uh, he was like my big comedy hero, all the, and he still is, all the way through Edinburgh. The first Edinburgh I did, though, where, where um, we did the Late and Live as the Oxford Review, and maybe the second Edinburgh I did. Uh, and I'd already seen him and thought he was great. And every, ev- Tony Allen basically organised every stand-up comedian to come and heckle us, basically. So, right. And so we got on as the Oxford Review, and just, we didn't use microphones and we're idiots, and we got just barrage of heckles from all the comedians. I remember looking down, and the only thing I can remember is looking right into the centre of the audience and seeing Arthur Smith going, ah, ah, ah. And he was kind of the guy, he was already kind of my hero. I'd said the year before, I'd seen him standing in the bar at what was then uh, the Fringe Club, now Gilded Balloon, at the bar on his own 
drinking on his own, sort of looking out wistfully around the room, you know, as if. And I thought, is that? I remember turning to my friend, and say, is that what's going to happen if I become a professional comedian? Is that what my life will become? Just drinking at bar on my own, sort of looking around, hoping to catch someone's eye. Pretty much was. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he's always been there. And then, like, I'd forgotten, like, in, in 1995, uh, he and Sally Phillips did uh, the Hamlet show. Right. Um, Sally, I'd been going out with Sally Phillips for a couple of years, but we'd broken up. She was still in my show that year because we'd broken up and she'd said, we'll still, she'll still be in the show. But was she that did. awkward it anyway? Well, it was kind of all right in right. a weird way. It was, it, it was a very kind of weird breakup. We broke up in the, kind of a few months before and then. We sort of, we have, we are still sleeping with each other. It was it was a nightmare, uh, and uh, and other people. It was a disgrace. Uh, but uh, she did, and she was very upset by us breaking up, really. And, but though, and and she did this, she did Ophelia, but it was all about. He did this play basically where everything she did was about this comedian called Dickie Fish, who had <laughs> who had ruined. Her, I don't know who it was about. Who was ruined? Like, so I'm kind of looking at. I was talking to him last night. He was being a bit sarcastic to me when I was being boring. Because like, he got me drunk. <laughs> I thought it was boring going about something. Yeah, he goes, I don't want to talk about that anymore. He goes, I think, you got me drunk. Don't ever go at me for being boring. That's the whole point of what you've done. And I kind of thought throughout Edinburgh, for all the times I've been here, Arthur Smith's just really been trying to wreck my life. <laughs> and yet, and yet, I love him more than anyone. He's for like, 20 years, Arthur Smith has I've been ever. a constant ruiner of <laughs> yeah. you. It's kind of amazing to think of that. that I, but that I still... He's my favourite show I ever saw was him at the uh, in the Botanical Gardens probably before your time then, but that was about ninety eight, uh, and it was like this you know pr- 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 what's the word promenade kind of show we had to go around the Botanical Gardens and things were set up and there were things happening in the distance and there were like about fifty hundred people and it was this lovely little love story and it was just the best uh, show I've ever seen. I think he does the most exciting and interesting things with Edinburgh and this show you get if you want if you go to his pissed up chat show you can see a naked lady in it as well pro- or everything. Oh, the whole lot, mate. Well, like the bits. Everything you can see, the whole lot. She holds cards up in front of her, but very ineptly on purpose. And it's uh, it's weird because she's the reviewer from. She lives in Manchester, Marissa Burgess. You know, her. she's a. Oh, reviewer. Yeah. She reviews for Joel. It's kind of she. Yeah, she reviews me. She interviews me every year. I don't know. I'm going to be able to look her in the eye again. I certainly wasn't last night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a very bold thing, but that's the kind of thing Arthur manages to get people to do this insane stuff. And, yeah, and yeah. it actually, you know, it is sort of. It is sort of artistic. Well, again, the thing that the first thing that I saw that him getting arrested was just basically just I think bits of paper got handed round a couple of days beforehand saying meet meet here at midnight and Arthur Smith will do a walk. And we said, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then suddenly there was about two hundred people. <laughs> it just got too many <laughs> and it got too kind of ridiculous. And then the police were called. <laughs> but that's Arthur. They just he just kind of he has this weird enthusiasm where people just think, no, that seems like exactly the right thing to do right <laughs> yeah. now. Of course we'll. No. Now, and then people started trying to put bricks through windows and stuff. And <laughs> we're like, we're doing this for you, Arthur. And he was like, no. <laughs> it's too far. But that is, you know, I think that craziness, that is, part, you know, that breakdown. And you know, it's, what, it's what Rumpel's all about, obviously, as well, is this kind of, you know. It's, but it's about, it, that's what the comedy should be about, is breaking down those barriers just for, you know, it's art for a, for a second, isn't it? It's just art and, and looking at the world in a different way. And if you leave that show... And you look at the world in a different way. That's the, if you really go to a good art gallery yeah. or see a brilliant film, you'll come out and, you'll go and the world will appear different. And I think that's it. And comedy can do that as well. I don't think any of us will walk out in the street uh, after seeing Rumpel and look at Chewbacca in the same way or the, py- <laughs> or the Pyramids of Giza in the same way. Well, yeah. so, uh, was, it, was it the camels did the voice of Chewbacca or Chewbacca <laughs> did the voice of the camels? Uh, I don't knows? know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> How that man's mind works, I have no idea. <laughs> I love, I love watching something like that. Watching a comic that, because I know, about, like, I'm sure you're the same as having been a comic for a while. If you watch another comedian, you spend a certain amount of time kind of going, okay, where's he going with this, or what's their mind doing? I love watching someone where you just go, I, I'm not even going to try because there's no <laughs> way. Like Maria Bamford is an American comic. Yeah. I, f- I put her in that category where I just, I ha- she's she's batshit, but she's brilliant, and you just have n- lit. Check her out online if you haven't seen her. You have absolutely no idea where she's going to go with the next thought. I'm not yeah. sure she does either. And it's the difference between being able to do that entertainingly and just being insane. Yes. <laughs> it's a fine Which line between someone like Rumpole and just the guy in the street. Like, yeah. I think that line is just a plastic nose. <laughs> if you've got a plastic nose and a spare plastic nose. Yes, exactly. I think that's why he keeps the spare, just in case. <laughs> just in case one is knocked off. Right, well, look, we're going to do a competition now where one of you can win. A cafe Nero, complete cafe Nero. Don't have to do any of the work. You can make, you can have a, one of the frappe lattes for that. That is worth nearly three pounds. Don't waste it on an espresso. Get the most expensive drink you can get with it, uh, and some other stuff, and some tickets to see. I think it was Roe Campbell and Steve Gribbin. 
Lovely. Uh, so, uh, all the world slapstick. So, uh, we, we will make some... If we, what we need, we're going to make some statements that are either true or false. We need everyone to stand up. If you're standing up already, you have to be honest about whether you're in or out. So, everyone stand up, please. Uh, to be, You've got to be in it to win it. We'll make some statements that are either true or false. If you think they're true, put your hands on your head. If you think they're false, put your hands on your bottom, the seat of all falsehood. Uh, and, uh, and if you get it wrong, you have to sit down. It's self-policing. Do not lie about this. Uh, so, um, Matt Kirshen, uh, yes. the comedian, is unique amongst the comedian fraternity in that he is diphylactic. Is that true or false? Well, you have to know that. I'm not going to give you a, what's the answer. What's the answer to the question? Um, uh, do, you know what that's a, do you know what diphylactic means, Max? You may be. You may be diphylactic. So I don't know. I'm guessing you're not. Have you got two penises? <laughs> <laughs> Not both attached to no. me. No, okay, so uh, it is, uh, it is uh, false. He isn't diphylactic, so sit down. So if you've got it wrong, you have to sit down, be honest about it. More people got it wrong than that, stop cheating. Have you got... Have you got so I like the way he went, finally he was going to cheat, and then he, he had a crisis of conscience. And no, I can't lie. What if I'm drinking that caffeine or coffee? It'll taste bitter in my mouth. It is quite bitter anyway. It's coffee. Uh, so um, <laughs> have you got a statement, Matt Kirsham? Okay, more years than not that I've been at the Edinburgh Fringe, I've ended up having to visit a doctor. Wow, true or false? Well, everyone, people are very... <laughs> a lot of Which people think that's true. That's false. Wow, brilliant, good one. That was a good one, because that has got rid of loads of people. That is <laughs> The newsreader, Kenneth Kendall, who is the... <laughs> who is uh, also the host of Treasure Hunt, is unusual amongst newsreaders and hosts of Treasure Hunt in that he has three nipples. Is that true or false? The newsreader, Kenneth Kendall, has three nipples. True or false? <laughs> I think it's false. I don't know. I haven't looked, but I'd be very surprised if he has. Have you got, have you got another one, Matt? Um, beatboxer and musician Beardy Man was taught by my mum. Wow. Could you make that up? Would it be possible? To if you're still in at the back, do step forward a little bit so we can still see you. It uh, looks like you're all out. That's, that's good. That's divided them. True or false? That is true. I found that out two days ago. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Um, well, on a similar theme, um, Jack Besson uh, plays the bass in the band Reef. Went to my school. Is that true or false? Uh, I think... Have you gone for one, madam? You're just sitting there with your hand on your chin. Is that in your eyes? Uh, I think that's true. I think he's all of those things. So uh, if you said false, sit down. So we're down to... Ju was it just down to two? So just one you person. No, there's one here and one here. You're still in, madam. Anyone else? Someone at the back? I can't see. Step forward a bit, sir, so we can see you. If you are a sir. There we go. Or a very ugly woman. No, it's just... Quite an ugly man as well, I see. There's... <laughs> <laughs> so there's three still in it. Matt, have you got another statement of okay. truth or falsehood? The, the year 2002 that I mentioned, the one with the one-star review, was my most profitable ever Edinburgh Fringe. True or false? He's gone straight for true, true, and a false. We're going to get rid of one. False has to sit down. That is uh, true. That is true. Wow, yeah. It is easy when you don't have any of the PR. So it's down to two. Whoever comes in first with the answer, well, that will be, and the other one has to go for the opposite. So you can't go for the, tame, the two same things. Uh, the comedian and opera director, Stuart Lee, <laughs> yeah, who refused to appear on this podcast because he thinks he's too grand for it, even though I did his stupid fucking show last year where I ripped up his book for him. No, this is no, I haven't got anywhere yet. Um, <laughs> I'm just having a go at Stuart Lee. <laughs> is a cunt. No, that isn't it. Is, um, no, it's... Um, <laughs> I don't know what the answer to that would be. Uh, he... Uh, he uh, suffers from ulcerative colitis. Is that true or false? The man's gone for true. The lady's gone for false. It is true, sir. You're the winner. Yes, Stuart Lee's bowel disorder has won you. It has won you £20 in assorted cash. Uh, I'm going off mic. Sorry to the people at home that that annoys. Uh, where's the Cafe Nero card, though? It's disappeared. Oh, no, no. Oh, it's there. There you go, sir. Thank you very much. That's all for you. And, uh, madam, you can get tickets to see... Uh, I'm so bad at doing this. You'd think I'd have got it together by now. 
Steve Gribb and Rokam. There should be more than that. They're, those are for you, anyway. I think I've given you too many tickets to the man, but take them all. Have some fun. Uh, so, uh, are there tickets in there as well to shows, sir? No. <laughs> I put them in my box and put them in my book. No, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. There's, there's more. There's more. No, there isn't any more. Oh, there they are. Uh, good, I'm off, off mic, but you know, it's better than there being no podcast at all, isn't there, people at home? So, uh, <laughs> there's some tickets as well to see some other shows, you know, give them, distribute them carefully if you can't, uh, you. Colin, would you like to go and see Steve Gribbin at uh, 1855 at the stand? <laughs> no? <laughs> why don't, one day, why don't you just, uh, you know, leave a bit of day free, you could go to, uh, go to free to, uh, see stuff. Have we, we haven't really, uh, talked to many people today. So, if that man there, you can, because you wanted to know what diphylactic mean, you can go and see <laughs> Steve Gribbin. His show is all about having two penises, so that will explain. <laughs> and, uh, Roe Campbell, oh, go on, Paul J. Levy, there you go, I posted your, I posted your program yesterday, so you should get that through. Thanks for, if you're at home, uh, and you donated to the, uh, What Is Love Anyway program, or if you're here, uh, and you don't get one, it's because loads of the emails, like Paul J. Levy's just disappeared. I looked everywhere for your original email. Nowhere. Nowhere. This is just for me and Paul J. Levy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he works in charity. He helps uh, urban children out. They're children who've become feral. Who just like, like, you know, like urban foxes. He helps. And when he helps them out, he bums them. That's why. I mean, that's what he does. Right. That is. And if it isn't true, why don't you sue me, Paul J. Levy? And I don't, I don't hear anyone suing anyone. Look, oh, we've, we've overrun. Have you managed to record it, do you think, uh, today, Chris? <laughs> yeah, it looks good. It's how it's whether I listen to you guys. Hello, it's me. It's people If it's like that tomorrow, uh, you'll know. So uh, tomorrow we have got. It's Sunday tomorrow, right? Yes. Izzy Sooty and and someone else doing some stand up. We've got Izzy Sooty from Peep Show. On Monday we've got Adam Buxton uh, from off of the Six Music, the the, Saturday, the true host of the Saturday morning show. <laughs> Hopefully he will be. Uh, he will overthrow the person who's in it. Now, uh, and uh, the bar's open. It's time for the bar's closed. Uh, and, uh, and thank you. Will you please give it up for my guest today, Matt Gershon, and the amazing Rumpel Kangaroo King of Fools. Uh, come and see us in two more days to go. Thank you very much. Thank you. I can never answer.